We are starting today uh, a series on the book of Revelation, an exciting series on the book of Revelation. Now, you may have um, said, what, did he just say Revelation? And he just said, exciting. Well, yes, uh, because the book of Revelation is a book all about Jesus. Now, Christians for years have um, tended to look at this book in, in a few different ways. Uh, there are those who, uh, the first group of people, I think, like to comb through Revelation verse by verse, uh, paragraph by paragraph, looking for historical events and even current events and how they fit into the uh, different symbols and, uh, and the different uh, crazy things that we find in this book and trying to map out a timeline of when it's all going to take place. Now, uh, many of you have, are, are, have been around long enough to remember, at least remember one time uh, when everyone thought the world was going to end. And uh, they had mapped it all out by Revelation, and the church had said, this is it, and this is going to happen. Uh, Jesus is coming on this date, and they all waited, and it didn't take place. Now, I remember one of those times uh, was in 1989, and uh, I remember uh, we were convinced this was, during, uh, this was during our school day, and we were convinced that there was no point going to class the rest of the day because the world was going to end. And so I remember we were all standing out on the football field looking at the skies, waiting because they had mapped out that exactly a certain time and a certain day uh, Jesus was going to come back and take us to be with him. But he didn't, he didn't come. So uh, we're still here uh, this many years later. There are many people who have looked at Revelation and tried to map out exactly how things are going to take place. But interestingly, because the Bible says even Jesus himself doesn't know exactly when he's going to return uh, the Father will reveal to Jesus, it's time, come and bring my church home, bring my people home, and Jesus will come in all of his glory and bring uh, his children home. The other group of people who look at Revelation tend to say, well, look, I've read through Revelation a little bit here and there, and I know that in the end, God wins. And so that's enough, right? Well, some people uh, try to avoid the rest of the book that we don't understand. I, I think there's a third group probably in, uh, that look through Revelation and they just read through some of the stories and say, well, this is just too hard, it's too weird, it's too messed up for any of us to really understand, so let's just avoid it. Now, if we're honest, there are a few books in the Bible, or at least parts of books in the Bible, that many of us don't read, or many of us, maybe you've never read, or uh, you've tried to avoid. Some of those are uh, most of the book of Daniel. We tend to look at Daniel chapter 3, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We look at Daniel chapter 6, with Daniel in the lion's den. And then we forget that Daniel exists beyond that because it's a lot of apocalyptic stuff about the end of the world, a lot of prophetic stuff saying what's going to happen, a lot of symbolism and things that we don't understand similar to Revelation. So we tend to kind of uh, ignore that or, or pass by that. Similarly, there are passages in the Bible like 1 Chronicles and part of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, the first chapter in Matthew, which the entire sections are just genealogy. And it'll say, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and this person was born to there, and you go, ugh, bore me, this is so... But it, it's all important parts of the story. Well, Revelation is one of those books that people tend to just... We know it's there, but we tend not to look at it. So what we want to do is spend a few weeks working our way through uh, some of the book of Revelation. It's, uh, it's, it's an exciting book, actually, because the book of Revelation has a purpose. And that is to reveal not only things that are going to take place, but most of all, to reveal Jesus to us. 
Look with me at Revelation chapter 1, just verses 1 to 3, and I'll, I'll show you. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. This tells us from the very beginning, this is a story about Jesus, a testimony from Jesus. And the book tells us all about Jesus. It's a book about Jesus, who he really is, not just the man who walked around uh, in the Middle East and, and taught some good moral teachings, as many people think Jesus is. But Jesus is seen in the book of Revelation as the King of kings and Lord of lords with all power and all authority. The one, the only one who could and did buy our salvation from the power of sin and darkness, and he gives life by the power of his own blood. Revelation 1, 1 says, this is a testimony of Jesus. Some of your translations will say testimony of Jesus. Some will say it's a testimony from Jesus. Uh, literally, it's translated, it's a testimony from Jesus. Uh, so this is a testimony about Jesus from God to the churches, the people of God, uh, through this, uh, through John, who sees this vision. In fact, this word actually means it's from Jesus, which is Jesus telling us a story about who Jesus is. This is like an autobiography of Jesus. And so who better knows about who Jesus really is than Jesus himself? And so we will come over the, the few weeks to see this story of Jesus as a conquering king. He is the one who wins every battle. He is the one who conquers any enemy. He is stronger than any other. And our freedom and our hope and our security forever and ever is in Jesus. So we need not be afraid of this book. Are there weird parts? Yes. Are there strange things that are difficult to understand? Absolutely. But this book overall is a story of Jesus in all of his glory. The lion and the lamb who bought our salvation and who reigns victorious over all for all eternity. Who one day will end evil and sin and reward those who follow him with eternal life. Now there are several ways that we could look at this book over the next few weeks. But what we want to do is allow one of the verses from the book itself to kind of be our guide on how to uh, preach the different sections of the book. So rather than doing a verse-by-verse -verse study, uh, this time at least, or even chapter-by-chapter, chapter, we want to work our way through some different sections of the book to give you an overall picture of what Revelation is about. Revelation 1.19 says, it tells John, it says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place soon. So we'll divide this into sort of what has been and, and look some at uh, chapter 1 and all the connections uh, to the Old Testament. Revelation, actually, to be the last book in the New Testament, it actually has more references uh, to the Old Testament than about any other book in the Bible. Uh, in fact, the majority of verses in Revelation are either inferring or referring to something in the Old Testament or they're direct quotes from the Old Testament. So we'll see a lot of Old Testament imagery uh, in the, the, the visions and the imagery in Revelation. We also want to look at the current situation that John is writing this letter, uh, uh, this, this book of Revelation, because the church at the time of Revelation was written, was a church under immense persecution. It was a suffering church. The early church was a church of struggle. 
a church of immense suffering under the power of the Roman government. And, and this is written as a story of hope to the persecuted church. But it also describes in chapters, especially uh, 6 uh, to the end, what will take place someday. And there's passages on judgment, there's passages on uh, restoration and hope. So what we will do over the next few weeks is uh, next week we want to talk more in detail about uh, chapters 1 to 3, which gives all these Old Testament references and reveal who Christ is. There are so many uh, links and direct uh, quotes from, from the Old Testament in this passage, and we want to take some time to work our way some, through some of that. In fact, even in just uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 to 16, I think there's uh, six or eight different references comparing Christ to God's presence in the Old Testament. You see, he's writing to an early church who come from a Hebrew tradition, uh, a Jewish tradition in which they knew the stories from long ago of God's presence with them uh, through the tabernacle and God's presence in the Holy of Holies that the high priest could go and be in the presence of God. They knew that God's presence was with them as long as the Ark of the Covenant was with them as a people. And they've seen God be victorious in battle. No other way to explain it. They know of God's power. They know of God's strength. Revelation works in the first few chapters to reveal Jesus as one with God. This is God in flesh. He's more than just a teacher or a preacher uh, that they've known, more than just someone who did healings and, and restored people while he was here on earth. Jesus is God in flesh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Some of the references in uh, chapter 1, verse 12 to 16, uh, the, the lampstands uh, referring to uh, the, the, the tabernacle and the original setup. Uh, there's a, a fiery furnace and rushing waters, all talking about the presence of God to the people. Revelation is not a standalone book. It's the completion of a story and says, good wins over evil. Reign, Jesus reigns supreme. And the people who sometimes wondered where God was and other times experienced His power and guidance will one day come to know Him in all of His power in all of His glory. The second part of uh, next week is covering the, the letters to the church. It's talking about the, the situation currently, this church under persecution. It was a scattered church. And there are certain individual letters to the seven churches or the seven uh, heads of churches in a sense where these are letters of uh, letting them know that God knows what's going on in their churches. Some of these are letters of judgment. Some are letters of challenge. Uh, it's all important parts of the story. And that God knows what's happening, and God wants more from us as His church. Many of you are familiar with Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with him and he with me. We often use it as an invitation verse at the end of a, a service, but God actually wasn't speaking to an individual's heart, although we can apply that to that. He was speaking uh, to one of the churches. Like, I stand outside the door and I knock. If anyone trusts me and, and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with him. Revelation is a book that was written to, parts were written directly to this persecuted church. In the days of the early church, were days it was scandalous, even dangerous to be a Christian. To admit you are a follower of Jesus may cost you your life. Not only you, but you and your entire family may be tormented, imprisoned, tortured, or even killed by the powerful Roman government. 
in their efforts to stamp out anyone following this Jesus as king. So Revelation presents Jesus as the one true king, king over every king who we should follow, even at times, though they're tough. And we'll see chapters later on where the persecuted church cry out to him in hope and Jesus reigns true and is victorious over all evil. Chapters 4 and 5, we see a different tone to it. Revelation is a book with a lot of different uh, uh, parts to it. Chapters 4 and 5, we stop and basically have a worship service. And we see Christ worship like we've never seen Him before because we see Him worship not only by the churches, but by all the angels standing around the throne of God crying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The elders sing out, God, you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. Jesus is the only one who can open the book of life that has in it the names of all those who trusted in him. And we see everyone surround the throne of God and say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Interesting how many people avoid the book of Revelation but how many of our songs and our hymns of faith come directly from this great book. Songs of praise, recognizing His power and His authority over all. He is holy and His righteous and so worthy of all our praise. And in part three, we'll talk about uh, who Jesus is and that power and authority in Him uh, being the only one righteous and, and pure enough to open that book. And then part three is a book, a part on, on judgments. Now, this really covers chapter 6 through, through 16. Now, you may go, whoa, hold on. How are we going to jump in that uh, and cover chapter 6 through 16? A lot of these are the same stories, so it covers a few different areas. It covers um, there's the seals. There are seven seals, uh, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Uh, so the seals uh, is Jesus. There, there are seven seals on the book that Jesus is holding, this book of life. As Jesus opens each seal, a horseman goes out to deliver judgment on the enemies of God. Now, this may not be a, a literal horseman, a horseman that comes riding in the sky, but symbolic of the power and authority from God delivering these destructions on those who refuse to acknowledge Him. The trumpets, likewise, each trumpet that blows uh, is a, a destruction on the people or the systems of government and the authorities that do not honor God. These bowls uh, represent uh, destruction of those who side with Satan against God and the people of God. Justice will be done someday. It may seem at times, and it may have seemed to the early church, which are under persecution, that God doesn't see what's going on. How long, Lord, can you allow this suffering? How long can you allow evil to, to prevail? And God reminds us in Revelation that justice will come someday, that God knows what is going on, and there will be a day of judgment. It may seem like God doesn't know or God doesn't see. And it may seem like those who follow the temptations of, of Satan, the great deceiver, will go unnoticed. But one day, God will, will judge. And part four covers the war that ends all wars. Now, some of you, if you know anything about your history, know that that phrase has been used a, a few times. I think that there's a... And they think, well... World War I, maybe the, the war to end all worlds. World War II, maybe the war to end all wars. Uh, if there are future wars, you may say, this may be it. This may be the war. Well, Revelation talks about the real war that will kind of end all things. Finally, evil 
We'll have it then. Revelation 17, 20. We'll see a final battle when Satan and his demons and, and all those who have bought his lies and followed Satan away from God will try to wage war against God, his angels and, and the Christians. This is very short-lived. All the armies gather around and they're ready for battle. And then Jesus steps on the scene. In Revelation 19, 11, says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he wages war. He judges and wages war. Verse 13 says, His name is the Word of God. Verse 16 says, It is written on His robe and on His thighs, King of kings and Lord of lords. And when Jesus and His angels come down, they, they just take hold uh, of, of Satan, and all those servants of Satan are destroyed, and Satan is bound for the thousand years. God and sits on His great throne, and everyone, everyone is judged, not on their merits, but on what they've done with Jesus. Those whose name are written in that Lamb's book of life, who have trusted in Jesus, receive life everlasting with God, and those who have not trusted in Jesus are eternally separated from God in death. And in the closing chapters of this great book in Revelation 21 and 22, talks about how God makes all things new. The book ends by telling us a little bit about what that forever life with God may look like. Again, we see as, as John tries to describe as best as he can this new heaven and new earth, that the dimensions of the new heaven and new earth that are laid out in Revelation are mirror to the, uh, the dimensions of the tabernacle which are described in the Old Testament. Symbolic of the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies, as I mentioned earlier, is a time which is a place where only the high priest could have access to. He would go in to offer uh, sacrifices for the sins of the other priests and for the sins of the other people. It was such a sacred thing because only the high priest, and only once a year, could he go into God's presence and offer these sacrifices. Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God was. And the high priest, the honor and the, and the privilege of going in God's presence once a year and offer these sacrifices for the sins of the people. It was such an awe-inspiring thing, this Holy of Holies. No, Everybody knew that you could not go in or you'd be killed. You could not access God's presence if you weren't the high priest and if, you, if it wasn't that once a year or you'd be killed instantly. In fact, the high priest had uh, bells and different things on his garments that would make noise as he walked around and was offering the sacrifices. And he had uh, a rope essentially tied to his ankle that would go out the door. And so if, for some reason, something happened to the high priest when he was in there offering these sacrifices, or if he died in there, uh, the other people could pull him back out they, because they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. This is God's presence. But the New Testament tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil on the temple which divided the priest from the other people was torn from top to bottom. We all have access directly into God's presence because of Jesus. And this new heaven and new earth talks about this new tabernacle which is built that we all have, in that we are all in the presence of God forever and ever. Revelation 
21, 4 and 5 says, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for all these older things have passed away. Revelation 22 reminds us how all things will be restored. In the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, we see how God created all things, and He did so perfectly. After everything He created, He said, It's good, and it was perfect and pure. And He created this world to have fellowship with man, to have a beautiful place that He could walk amongst us and, and talk amongst us. And, and Revelation tells of God coming down and walking along in the garden and, and in the presence with Adam and Eve. But by, by Genesis chapter 3, we see how man had fallen to sin. And this affected, in fact, destroyed that relationship with God. And it affects all of nature. In the end, God makes all things new and He restores it once and for all into how it was intended to be. And we see beauty and purity all around. Revelation 22 verse 5 says, There'll be no night. There'll be no more night. And there'll be no need for, for lamps or lights or no, even for the sun because God Himself will be the light. In the end, there's no more darkness. There's no more sin. There's no more corruption. God, although Satan tries to stand against, God is more powerful than any. Although God, Satan tries to persecute the church and he uses governments and he deceives man and he tries to lead victorious against God, he doesn't stand a chance. Because when Jesus steps on the scene, there is power and there's authority. And, and Satan and all of his followers are destroyed. Jesus Christ wins. The church, although sometimes struggling against sin and darkness, will someday see the great light of salvation. Satan and all those who follow him will be destroyed. Governments and systems that stand against God will not prevail. Jesus Christ the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our eternal hope. He is our eternal salvation. He is our eternal reward. I pray that you join us over the next few weeks as we work our way through more detail of each section of this book and we see Jesus Christ supreme. We celebrate the freedom and the security and the hope that we have because of Him. Let me just lead us in prayer right now. God, I just thank you and I praise you for this great book of Revelation for the story of Jesus revealed to us in all of His majesty and all of His power and all of His authority. Lord, I thank You that there is nothing that is too great and nothing that is too strong, nothing that is too powerful for You. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, although there may be difficult days ahead for us as a church, although we may be struggling at the moment as followers of You, Lord, our hope is in You. Our security is in You. And we know, Lord, that You reign victorious over all. You are our God, supreme. And Lord, we trust You. Lord, help us in times of suffering. Help us in times of persecution. Help us in times of difficulty. Help us in times of uncertainty to trust in You, our great God, to rely on Your strength. You are our shelter. You are our stronghold in the midst of the storms. Lord, thank You that You are forever faithful. You are forever strong. You are forever gracious. And Lord, help us through the study of this book to come to know You as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.